Kia ora New Zealand, welcome to Sweet Chain Live. This is episode 39. Um, it's great to be here today um, and we've got a great show for you today. But first up, I'd like to welcome my um, guest co-host, this side, Ben Poli. Good evening, Ben. Good evening, Matt. How are you going? I'm, I'm back in my small room or am I just a big human? We didn't decide I, that. I, we couldn't decide. I, 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 having met you, I think he's a little of column A and a little of column B. So, uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. Um, okay, the show for you tonight, we've got Hot Scores coming up very soon. Um, and then after that, we've got Roberts Crastins joining us, the New Zealand Disc Golf Tour Director. Uh, lots of questions for him. And if you've got any questions uh, yourself, pop them in the comments and we'll uh, we'll, we'll put them across to Roberts uh, today. Um, then um, we've got Desert Island Disc Golf with Roberts as well. Um, Ben's got some talking points that he wants to bring up. Um, and then we've got um, upcoming events and our picks for Twizel this weekend, including um, a little bit of a rundown of what this tournament means to the New Zealand Tour, um, because it really could um, make, uh, make a difference, the result of this tournament. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on. Um, first up uh, is Hot Scores. So starting down south in Invercargill, it's Levi Stout with the hot round at 15 under par. Well done to Levi, edging out Johnny Ferrari um, and his older brother Ethan um, in the deep south this week. Uh, Chingford, it's Team Sweet Chains, Andrew Fleming, who goes eight under par. Congratulations, uh, Andrew. And in Queenstown, uh, Roberts Crastins, our guest later on, uh, shot a 10 under par. Um, around the gardens course at uh, tucker beach it's david Keane who shoots 11 under par uh he'll be hoping to take some of that form into twizel this weekend and at ely point ryan cambridge shoots four under uh down at lismore um alexander bassford and dom hayden tie for the lead at 10 under and 10 under is also the hot score for callie thompson ben murray and willie taratina in christchurch at jelly park um Across to across the city of, of Christchurch to Queen's Park uh, Reserve, you've got Willie Taratner and Ashton Clark, both shooting uh, an eight under par. And at Brooker Ave, it's that man, Ashton Clark. He's on a heater. He's uh, on seven under par. Ben, takes through the north. Thanks, Matt. Uh, okay, we're starting off with Bear Hampore, and we've got our own Brady Kutch, more like the human highlight reel with a minus five. Uh, you know, down to Koi Koi, we've got again more sweet chain. We've got Liz Mocha and Minky Vorster, but joined by Scott Woodhouse and Phil McLeod and a plus two. Uh, Har at Harcourt, we've got Jack Mocha and Joel Simpson, both on evens. Uh, link later, we got Gahal Brizel at minus three. Flexmere, Joshua Thorne with a minus four. And Spa Park Red, Joshua Thorne again with a minus one. And Nick Panu shaving three strokes off last week's hot score at McLaren with a minus four. Minus four. McLaren's a very, very good score indeed. So well done to Nick. Um, in uh, Down in Queenstown, the Struggle Street meltdown um, reached its conclusion uh, last Saturday. Uh, Chris Dixon shoots the hot round with a 9.52 rated seven under par. But it's Morgan Hartfeld who takes out the league uh, with the win. So uh, congratulations, Morgan, for winning uh, the inaugural... Uh, uh, PDGA sanctioned league in New Zealand, your own event. So uh, very well done. Um, up in the capital, we also had the Berenport 200 and Andy Davey shoots the hot round with a 9.94 rated 12 under. And can I say, 12 under par on the champ and chumps at Berenport. Um, 
for that to get 994 rated, quite frankly, is daylight robbery. So, but Andy, very, very good score there. Um, the We also saw the start of the newest league in Queenstown, Any Given Monday, which started uh, last Monday. Um, and again, it was Chris Dixon, who shoots 977, um, four over par. Um, I think the pars are right on there. It, I, I was a bit unsure, but 977 was his rated round. So well done to Chris. Um, uh, but also a shout out to Morgan, who hits an ace on the first hole of the league. So well done to him. Um, right. Now, um, now it's time to uh, bring in uh, our guest tonight. Our guest tonight is uh, the New Zealand Disc Golf Tour Director, uh, Roberts Crastins. Um, uh, so welcome, Roberts. Ah, good evening, James. Good evening, everyone. How are you doing? All right? I'm well, doing all right. Yeah, just had a long day at work, so a bit tired and got to get a you know bit of packing done before heading out to Twizel tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean, Twizel's looking forward, looking like it's going to be quite the tournament. Um, and with so many players uh, in playing in an event and with so much on the line at the top end as well, it's going to be interesting. We'll come to onto a little bit of that in, in a moment. Um, first up, you are responsible for drafting up the new um, New Zealand uh, tour policy, uh, which was recently published. Um, generally speaking, I think the vibe around the country is that people quite in, quite like it. Um, do you want to just sort of start at the beginning and tell us what were your thoughts going into the development of it, and 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 what you were what you were looking to achieve with the changes that you that you made? Yeah, thanks, Matt. I've I've also heard you know some quite good feedback from people generally you know liking it, and that's kind of what I expected that there still be you know people questioning things, and that's kind of actually what I wanted to hear as well. That means people actually you know care, which in my mind is the most important part. People care about what's going on. People are interested, and in, you know they they're willing to put their time in, and that's what I welcome. So if you have any questions or suggestions, just hit me up at tour at nzbg.org.nz, you know, and you know we'll we'll talk about it. So. Because it's been, you know, we worked on it for quite some time. That's why it's kind of been a bit late. Initially, I wanted to go, you know, get it done even before the Tukovich rush so we can start off the season there, but kind of dragged out because we kind of realized, you know, well, if we're putting the time and effort in, we might as well do it right or, you know, the best that we can, mm -hmm. which is kind of the main idea that I had behind it as well. Obviously, I wanted to change the dates for the tour season, which is part of what my manifesto said as well you know in my mind that's quite important to have the new zealand summer to be in the middle of this you know disc golf season otherwise it just feels really awkward when you say oh it's christmas now middle of summer oh it's time for our off season let's you know hang up the discs and relax for one weekend and then let's play again or well, just you know to me it seemed quite wrong <clears throat> so that's no. in my, my mind that was sort of the biggest change but then uh, as we're sort of laying it down, it all sort of came down to like, oh, how about we, you know, lay down the standards as well, which is something, you know, there was a bit of, has been a bit of kickback about, which is something I want to touch on as well, is basically these standards are not something, oh, they weren't there yesterday and tomorrow we expect everyone to absolutely nail them and, you know, be up here. So mm -hmm. we obviously, uh, obviously have to start somewhere so let's just work towards that, you know, and see, oh, actually, maybe this was wrong. So something that we wrote down, it's like, oh, it doesn't work. So we can work back on it, you know, trace 
trace that back. Or if there's, you know, if there's sort of this half to the season that's already, or the season that's just about to sort of keep going, sort of tickle over to the new one, you know, let's just use that as a learning experience and see what we can do to get it, you know, get it better. So at the end of the day, the reason for the whole policy and the standards was just to make disc golf, you know, at a higher level for the players. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the main focus was in there for, you know, make it better for the players that they can, you know, they know what to expect, sort of set the standards. You know, yeah. otherwise any event that, you know, people play in, in the weekend, we could call it a New Zealand tour event. But, you know, we wanted that to actually mean something. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and you know, it's, it's good to hear that there's not this sudden um, demand for a, a higher level that you say many places may yeah. not be at yet. Um, what, what I'd like to what I'd like to know is it so you're you're responsible for the upholding of uh, particular standards and the constant improvement. Is there a danger that the progress is slower than it might well might otherwise be if uh, it if they're more guidelines than than standards? Yes, like obviously, if they're just guidelines, then people are like oh, you just do what I want. They don't mean anything. But at the same time, we got to balance the knife edge of not having that many tour directors that are even willing to put up events. So if we had like a massive, you know, field of, you know, hundred t- a pool of hundred TDs that are willing to put up events, we had an event every weekend. Then obviously we could pick and choose. Oh, this event is, you know, the highest standard. Let's put that on the tour as a major, whatever. Whereas at the moment, the you know the reality is we only have a handful of TDs around the country. You know, some of them run multiple events a year. And, mm-hmm. you know, then to be saying, oh, actually, you have to do this, this, and this, or otherwise your events, you know, don't count or whatever. It's kind of a balancing act at, this, uh, at the moment. So that's why kind of we're starting here and then see where it leads and call them more guidelines and, you know, full standard expectations. But at the same time, we want to, what I wanted to say to everyone as well is, keep the communication channels open. So if, if the, you know, if there's any concerns you have about a tour event or whatever, something happening at events, just, you know, bring it up. Let's talk about it and, you know, see what we can learn from it and make it better next time. Uh, one of the questions that did come up um, during, uh, during the week and um, earlier on, actually on the, on the, on the, on the preview post uh, from Zach Taylor. And it's one that I, I put to you earlier on today was um, around the, um, groupings of players, especially in the first round of tournaments, and quite often they're mixed, um, where the PDGA standards, even in the international uh, program guide, um, state that to the best of a TD's ability, they ought to be um, divisionalized, I guess, is the is, is if that's a word. Um, and they should, uh, rather than, you know, random across, the, across all divisions. Um, it strikes me as a quick win. As in a quick win where? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, as in, as in it's it's relatively something that's easy to do. It doesn't rely on infrastructure or, or, or existing kit to be there. We oh, can yeah. just say, look, the, these are the standards the PDGA has set. Let's, let's hold ourselves to at least these standards when it comes to things like what starting holes people are on, right? Fairly easy yeah. to implement. And I think that's that's becoming a lot more important that we when, once we start doing tea times, that's what makes plays a major role. Like you can't split groups up from the same division, someone starting super early and someone starting the last card, which just, just wouldn't be fair. 
which is uh, one thing. But at the same time, that's what PGA, uh, the international standards, recognize that there's different sort of what you call traditions in different countries, which is mm-hmm. something that New Zealand's done over the years. We've actually never used to even divisionalize final rounds. We'd only only be the overall, you know. So if whatever division you were, you'd play, you know, for the final round. You're in the lead card. Doesn't matter what division you were, you'd play in the in there. So what the the international guide says basically, you cannot do that anymore in uh, past round two. So you can have round two succeeded by score. You can also have round one, obviously TD draw, but anything Mm -hmm. uh, past round three, if you have four rounds or three rounds, then round three and four have to be seeded by division. So if you only have two rounds in round two also has to be seeded by division. So obviously like what you were saying as well, you shouldn't, you know, split up the divisions in round one, but I Mm -hmm. kind of see the reasoning why, you know, some TDs do that around the country because you want the newer players to experience the, you know, be able to play these events and see how others, you know, play and sort of have a bit more of a mingle, not just sort of lock it into the divisions. So I can see both both sides. So I don't see, you know, us forcing that onto TDs mm. straight away to say, oh, actually you have to be, you know, division-based. But at the same time, like I said, like if, if you're doing tea times, in my opinion, that's just a fair play that you have to be, you know, based on division there. Yeah. Um, in, in your view, um, and I hope that you become this this role of kind of the, the arbiter of who decides what's a tradition and who decides what is part of I don't know, New Zealand disc golf culture and therefore acceptable because I want to do it this way. Um, and does does that in any way uh, kind of go against kind of progression, I guess, and uh, a, a, a desire to, to to want to get us to a more... I mean, the, the reason why the PGA standards are in, are in place is to increase the professionalism and the markability of disc golf, right? Mm. Um, and and so I'm, I guess my concern is too many TDs leaning on tradition um, too much. And, and, and how, do you, how do you go about setting what, what, what should happen there? That's a good point. Like, like someone has to be the person that says, well, actually, we've always done it this way, but how about we do it a better way? Which is part of the reason, like, you know, the same thing that I did with the tour season. There's quite a lot of kickback there. Like, not everyone likes it that the season's changed, that, oh, actually, it's the middle of summer. But, you know, there's, in my mind, more pros to that than cons. It's just the never-ending story of people, oh, I don't want to change. I like it exactly the way it is. But, yeah, I don't know if there is a set person that would say, oh, this is tradition, this is not. But at the same time, I think you know, the player is going to dictate where the sport goes mm-hmm. and, you know, the TDs will just have to catch up with that. So if, <laughs> if the sport goes and more and more players say, oh, actually let's just play divisionalized. I don't want to play with, you know, masters or juniors in my first round. Like I want to, you know, play with my divisions. And then I, I think that's fair. And if we have people bringing that up, then we can do something about it, <clears throat> mm-hmm. which is why I wanted, you know, wanted to say again, let's talk about it. Like if we're not talking about it, if no one's, you know, coming up to people that have any say in this sort of policy, for example, then we're, we're never going to know. That's why I was saying. Like, if you have any concerns or questions, just come, come and talk to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can't, okay. Can't everyone. Um, so it's yeah. a comment by Ryan and it's kind of like aligned with what I've 
or I've experienced. So playing a first round with an MPO player, with a professional player, um, I reckon I picked more up playing that one round than I have throwing discs into trees on my own for like four months. But I also understand there is the other side of the coin um, where professional players don't want to, some might say burdened with assisting uh, a novice, a younger player. I guess when it comes to big changes, that's exactly as you touched on, all you can do is talk to people, get both sides of the, the coin and then work out where what you want to achieve and where you're going. And there's always going to be people who who love a moan and but you know, there's don't step up and do stuff. But if people are willing to step up and have reasonable arguments, then roll it out for a season, bring it back, roll out something new, try it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, uh, the point you're bringing as well is quite good that, you know, if you have novices or recreational players, maybe it's not the best idea to put them on the same cards as the open top players. You know, maybe you can mix them up with some other advanced players that are not as competitive and not as, you know, super focused where it won't, you know, break up their rounds as much or whatever. Mm. And, you know, it could be that the novices might not have the best round because this, the, you know, the professional, like, open players might be just fully focused on their round and the novice will feel like, oh, why is this guy a jerk? He's not, you know, not talking to anyone. He's just, you know, running yeah, away I, every time. I can kind of see it. Um, I don't want to labor this point for too long. I'll just make one final final point on it that I can see I can see both sides, but in certain situations, right? So I can remember playing in an ultimate tournament Um in uh, the early to mid 2000s and the team I was playing for got to nationals and was seeded 32nd and we had to play in the first round the team who was seeded first right which were the European champions at the time Clapham Ultimate and uh, we played them and we scored the first point and it was amazing and then we lost 15-1 um, and it was but it was great right we got experience playing against the very top players in Europe um, and that was that was fantastic um, every other tour event we were seeded alongside teams that were of a similar strength to us. When it came to nationals, that was different. We got to play and experience players who were, were different. So is there an argument to say, well, okay, for the regular kind of grindy season ones, you play with your group because it's right that we play as many rounds as possible with people who are of a similar ability. But then in some rounds, you in some tournaments, you open it up and say, "Okay, well, this is our, this is these are the random ones." But at least you're specific over them. I, I don't know. I don't know. That just, just. And I think it's kind of what it is at the moment. That what PGA rules are like. Anything past round two, you have to go by division. And first round, the TD can go. Oh, let's mix it up. You know, have you know introduce the novice players to some you know some people that can play better. But yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Like it, there's pros and cons, so it's something yeah. we can talk about more. Okay, I want to come on to the um, the points um, awarded for for um, events, but if, before we do, Hemi's asked, and I wonder if you could clarify in maybe a sentence or two, why has the season been changed exactly? Because this will be a common question from people. It's just to coincide with the summer, basically, to stop the you know oh end of season being in the middle of summer and then having a break bet between the seasons. And then also the, it will work better with the nationals and other majors <clears throat> coming down to the wire for the last events at the end of the season rather than play national tournament first thing after the off season. Right. Well, people that just, you know, might not have had a chance to practice over winter or whatever. So, um, yeah. 
Okay, no, that, that makes sense. That makes sense to me to coincide more with the with the warmer weather, so we get better playing conditions, which would be more enjoyable for everybody, and also to um, place majors towards the end of the season rather than in perhaps the beginning and middle of the season. Yep. Okay, that seems fair. Um, now, going on, talking about majors, they're worth sixty points. Uh, regular events are worth fifty points. Now, this is something which I personally laboured a little bit a few weeks ago on the show. Um, when Brady and I talked about the tour policy and how majors should be worth a little bit more. And um, on the Zoom call that was held last week, I think it was, it was last week, um, uh, you spoke in a little bit more detail about that. So can you can you cover a little bit more about the, the, the reasons for not changing the numbers here? The main reason for not changing numbers, because I honestly didn't even think about the numbers. I had a lot more other things to think about. But after you brought it up last week, I had a little bit of a crunch of numbers to see what the difference might be. If I looked up at last uh, last year's season, 2020, and to change anything in the top six, the majors would have to be worth 250 points. Okay. <laughs> And that would only change Jacko and Mikey because they're so close. Like they're separated by one point if it's Mm -hmm. 60 point. And then if you dial it all the way up to 250, then Mikey just edges past Jacko. But anything else in the top 10 barely changes. There's some changes. Like if you dial it up to uh, 80 points, then there's some changes that people move around in the top 100. But I think it needs a bit more in-depth review of, you know, looking at divisions rather than fully overall, you know, positions and see what other yeah. changes might be in other divisions, mm. I would, which I think it would be the, you know, more important part there. The the interesting thing about the algorithm, um, and I, I've, at the time, a few weeks ago, I said that I, I hadn't done any research into the algorithm. Well, fortunately, my data analytics team have taken the uh, the TPAD algorithm apart a little bit. And they can tell me that, obviously, it's a, it's a linear scale, right? So the difference in points between first and second is the difference in points between 51st and 52nd. So, um, and, and I would argue, should, should perhaps that be different? Should there be a bigger gap for winning, finishing second, third, fourth, whatever the top positions are, and then smaller gaps in points as you go further down? Given, given that, the difference in winning a tournament, especially as we've seen recently with... Um, with the char- with uh, the fling going down to uh, a one shot difference, the charge being decided on a playoff, um, with so many close tournaments, the difference it to win a tournament compared to finishing fiftieth and fifty first is is the same. Should that should that be should that be changed? That's a good question, and honestly, I don't know. Like uh, uh, the way I look at it is, you know, if you finish second. In an event where there's, you know, 40 players, or if you finish second in an event where there's 80 players, then it's quite obvious. The second in the 80-player event should have more value, mm-hmm. which is what it is at the moment. It's marginal, obviously. It, it's not a very big difference, but, you know, yeah. you'd get 49 points in an 80-person 80, 80 tournament, and you'd get le- less than in, yeah. you know, in a 40-player 40, 40 case. But... It would just become quite complicated. You'd have to look at it. Oh, okay. How do we do this? Do we award points? How do we split the gap? So we say, oh, the first place or top three get this many, and you know the gap is this big. But again, that's something we can look into. And you know, yeah, I, I would, I would 
I, I would say that would be a good thing to uh, to to have a think about. To have a think about. For sure. Certainly. Certainly. Um, I've another question that came through during the week. What baskets being used at Moonbase this weekend? Do you know? I'm pretty sure they're going to be helixes. Oh, brilliant! Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So, pretty sure um, they have a, a set of eighteen on, the, on at least on the river course. Set of eighteen that are going to go into some other course, and they're going to use them there temporarily for the river course. Fantastic, fantastic. And um, in terms of um, the the tiering of um, New Zealand tour events, how do you have you do you have any say on whether whether events are A tiers, B tiers, C tiers, or is that up to the tournament director? No, that's that's entirely up to the TDs of what type of event they want to run. Essentially, what what they what pro person? Yeah, I, mm, I actually can't remember it on top of my head, but I believe for the majors we expect them to be at least a B tier. But again, it's not something that's set in stone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Let's have a look if we've got any questions. Uh, we've had a lot of comments come through about people wanting to play. There's a little bit of a mix of comments, actually, about people wanting to play uh, um, either in mixed divisions or in um, uh, divisionalized divisions, if that makes sense. Um, to be expected, people, you know, people are different. People, you know, want different things. So it's absolutely. Well, Ben was saying it's really hard to please everyone. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, some interesting discussions around proposed hybrid models around let the pros play the pros and let everybody else, um, let the the let the non pros play together. Yeah, that's that could be quite interesting. So. Which, which is something that I think it's kind of going towards. I know it's something that we're working on in the back end for the NZDG to allow um, BTs or alternative uh, Ts. Because, you know, at the moment we have juniors and women's grandmasters playing the same course as the men's open, yeah. which I, I don't think is, is right on the bigger course, especially on the championship courses. Uh, the way we can get around it with the current point system is, you know, obviously splitting the event up into two events that, you know, the pros play, you know, the big course 60 pointer and then, or 50 pointer and then the others play like 40 pointer. Mm -hmm. But I think that, we might have a way around it. And that happened earlier on in the year at Makaripi and Middle Earth from memory um, yeah. as well. So, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, what's in terms of um, your role as uh, in terms of your role as a as tour director? What comes next? What's 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 for you between now and well, the end of your term in May? Or maybe well, not first thing, term, but the end first of thing we've got to do is we've we've now published the tour tour policy, which involves having points calculated based on division. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. the current TPAD uh, the org uh, scoring system doesn't allow that. Mm -hmm. So we don't have the option of splitting everyone by division and say, if you played Masters uh, this week and then Open the next week, and all those points will still count the same way to the same person. But in the mm -hmm. new new policy way, it has to be split. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'd be working on probably maybe even tomorrow night. I just okay. need to get the ball rolling there. Uh, then the we have match then? play. You... Sorry, what's that? What's the what's the process there then? Do you go out to tender for a T-pad yes. um, re uh, replacement, or is it a development? Of Pretty much, or? not necessarily a replacement. Like we're just going to go into an open tender, send mm -hmm. it out to all the members, send it out, put it on you know some some websites or something, 
you know, ask people, oh, do you know someone who's in IT? Talk to them. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, they can help us out, which is yeah. something I've already done and approached some people. So we might have some options. But again, okay. you know, we'll just have it under, as an open tender. Like, it, it, you know, it's not right if I go, oh, hey, mate, you know, do it for me and, you know, we'll pay you this much. So open tender, everyone can apply. And I think no, that's, that's the right way about it. Absolutely. Um, and uh, sorry, you were talking about match play. So that's the next thing I need to do. Like, honestly, I haven't had time to even think about mesh play, but that's something we need to incorporate. That's something that's not in the tour policy, but it will be a separate thing. And there's things we're thinking about how to make it more like exciting and more inviting to players because before it's, you know, more likely just the enthusiasts that want to go there because it's not a tour event. It doesn't give you points or anything. It's just, you know, something fun to do. But if we can put a carrot in there for more people to, you know, attend, I think that would be more fun for everyone to play match match play which is Fantastic. in itself the format of playing match play is just something completely different and i think more people should have a chance to enjoy that i, I totally agree and it certainly makes for um exciting um viewing if you've watched any of the uh recent match play events on Discord network mm, sure. um so uh before i um move on to um roberts the player um what what is the um What's the what's the kind of final word? If people have got feedback for you or they've got questions around the tour policy, how should they reach out to you? Yes, please do. Uh, just send them to my Facebook. If you look me up on Facebook, well, the best way would probably be uh, to the tour email. You can look it up on the NZDG website or it's literally tour at nzdg.org.nz. A little pro tip for everyone as well. If you go to nzdg.org.nz, it'll take you to the website. I used to think that, oh, you have to type the whole thing is, NewZealandDiscGolf.org.nz, but no, you can only type NZDG.org.nz, and I'll take it right there. Fantastic, fantastic. Right, on to Roberts the player. You're playing in Twizel this weekend. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you you had a relatively good season, relatively solid. Yeah, I'm actually honestly quite surprised myself because I've you know not really been thinking about it too much. That's mm -hmm. kind of funny, funny thing. When you look at the way that I've played most of the, well, not most, but quite a few of the events, there's that I get a really good first round and then yeah. I freak out a little bit, get in my head, and then the second round it all crumbles and I start to try and kind of get up there. Like just, you know, one example, Paradise. You know, I had a really good first round where I didn't really think about it too much and then started yeah. thinking about it and then started missing putts again, <laughs> which has been basically, my, you know, the sum of my season. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Do you have a goal for this weekend? Not really. Just have a bit of fun, play play some disc golf, which is kind of the way I've sort of the, probably part of the reason why I've been playing a bit better is not to sort of burn myself. It's like oh, I have to you know play really well or have to play to my rating or something. And that that's something that I've been trying to work on this season. Limited yeah. success, I'd say. <laughs> but yeah, I think like when you can relax, I think disc golf is a really like very strong mental game which is quite mm. interesting because that's also part of the reason I played really bad on the final day in the fling because I was just really exhausted. We got up at 3.30 in the morning on Friday to get there to, for practice. We had a full day of practice on Friday. And then basically I had enough you know, juice in the brain to play one good round and then <laughs> that was it. Yeah, mental fatigue and uh, really, really does affect things. Um, and, you know, the decision-making sure. ability just 
can drop. I've, I've experienced that myself. Um, Not just decision making, just uh, focusing of oh, my this needs to go there, it needs to hit this gap, and you know, by the time you reach back, it's like where am I aiming again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's everybody something that everybody can uh, can relate to. Um, yeah. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Um, now we were talking prior to you coming on uh, the show today about that you've got quite an interesting, um, at least one selection in your um, in your desert island disc selection. So we're we're going to move yes. on to that now. So the premise for anybody who's uh, who's new to the show um, is that Roberts is stranded on a desert island. Uh, fortunately, there's a disc golf course on this desert island, and he's been stranded with three of his favorite discs um and three of his favorite card mates they can be um uh, celebrity players or people he knows or people um who are dead or alive whatever um so roberts what are you throwing um at your desert island course so um, i was really lucky that three of my discs survived and i got stranded here but yeah go to probably be the wysocki pro pig Where's the camera this way? Uh, Very good. This one's really beat in, so it's mm-hmm. no longer really a peg. It's more like a glidey putter. It can mm-hmm. go up to like 105 meters on a slight hazard flip. Just that's straight. It's really fun disc to play with. So yeah, anything inside people, 90 meters is probably my go to. Another my on um, uh, sort of set of my go tos. This, this is only one of them. I've got quite a few. It's my uh, Star Destroyer. This mm-hmm. is this is the way, my my own little die job, but yeah, that's my sort of go-to for hazard bombs and 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 sort of longer distance shot, shot, shots. So now, but the now one every, that I got you guys are excited for. Sorry, every destroyer. Before we move on to that one, every destroyer flies yeah. slightly differently. So how does this one fly? This one used to be only very specific, very overstable hazard bombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, hole seven at Tucker Beach, just like over the top of the trees. I'd exclusively basically throw it only there, but mm-hmm. it's heiser bombed and dived into the ground enough times now that it's it's slightly more uh, <laughs> straight than overstable. Mm-hmm. So now I can actually throw it in, on distance shots as well. But I've got some pro destroyers that I recently got from uh, Team Innova, which fly really nice, nice and long distance. That's kind of my more go-to. Mm-hmm. And finally. Finally, the one I got you guys all excited for. Did you expect to see this? Uh, yeah, a, the, a DX Leopard? Mm. That's correct. It's a DX Leopard. Quite a few people probably that have played with me will know this disc. <clears throat> uh, it's 166 gram. It's one okay. of uh, Leanna's first discs. It's still got her name and number in there. I don't really throw that much, but when I, I do... Twist turns right over the minute it comes yeah, out your hand. Exactly. <laughs> Which is the whole point of it. And it's, it's actually got a secret pocket in the back of the bag, like by the back where the rain cover goes. So I just put it in there. And it's kind of my get out of jail free card where you, you have nothing else, but you can get a stance out to the side and throw a flick roller on a hyzer that'll turn over and go and roll. So I've actually some, some like obviously limited success, but I've actually gotten out of jail, you know, successfully. And, when I go throw this disc, I'm in you know deep trouble. But this disc puts a smile on my face because I know oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to do something weird. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, so you you bought a disc that's going to get you out of trouble onto a desert island, which uh, suggests that you believe that you'll get in trouble on a desert island. So that's... Uh, oh, yeah. no, just get in trouble. <laughs> I think that's just a fun disc to throw. You can throw it on a hazard bomb angle and it's just going to throw like a fly like a grenade. It's awesome. Oh, wow. Excellent. Good stuff. And who are you playing with? Who are your, who are your free players? I haven't had enough time to think about it too much, but I'll, I'll play with my wife, Lena. Uh-huh. Uh, and probably make it more entertaining. We'll play with Simon Lazart and Carmen Heimberg, the two oh, wow. two pros that I I think would be quite entertaining to play with. I'd like to see Simon throw that leopard. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> or Carmen, both of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely decimated. Yeah, I can't even imagine what would happen to it. It would just fly like a spiral, I'd say. I think Simon <laughs> throws like the D line FDs, which would probably be similar to this. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now we've got our um, we got our quick fire um, rounds now. Now um, by uh, by popular demand, well Ben's demand, um, he's asked to do the uh, safari back nine. So uh, so he'll be doing those questions. So I'm going to go through the family friendly front nine. Same questions every week for every person. Um, are you ready? Yes. Excellent. What's your name? Robert. Uh, where were you born? Uh, Valmir, Latvia. Uh, where do you live? I live in Queenstown, New Zealand. What's your PDGA number? 94860. How many years have you been playing? Four. Favorite court? Favorite disc, sorry? Uh, Star Destroyer. Favorite course? Tarkovic. Favorite MPO player? No, Carvin Hamburg. Favorite FBO player? Corner Panis. Very good. Very good. Uh, over to you, Ben. All right. Excellent. Are you ready? Ready. Shoot. Sorry if I get you, Ben, Matt. Um, all right. Putter or driver? Uh, driver. Cold winter or warm winter? Cold winter with lots of snow. Beautiful. Good. That was a trick one. Forehand or backhand? Backhand. Cats or dogs? Cat, uh, dogs. Moving baskets while you're putting or a treadmill on the tee pad? <laughs> oh, treadmill. Nice. Uh, grenade or tomahawk? Grenade. Uh, golf course or woodlands course? Oh, golf course. Heiser or Anheuser? Heiser. Levi or Jackson to win the tour? Oh, Levi. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very good, and we'll we'll see what happens. Actually, we've got we've got some. Uh, as I said, we've taken apart the tea pad algorithm. We'll get on to uh, to to the if buts and maybes of this weekend um, shortly. Um, but Roberts, thank you so much for coming on this evening um, and uh, giving us some very useful information on the uh, tour policy. Um, for talking to us a little bit more about it, it's always a pleasure to have um, members of the New Zealand Disc Golf Board on the show. Um, and so, uh, yeah, great to see you and um, best of luck this weekend. And I'm sure we'll speak to you again. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Ben. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Robert. Cheers Roberts. Excellent. Now, um, Ben, um, what have we got this week? Uh, this week's just a just a little quick one. Mm. Um, I'd like to see, for me, I'd like to see more international, pure international events. So, like, 
So I know there's been pros come across to Australia. There's, um, as we were talking earlier, there's um, the Japanese Open and obviously a lot of the new, new Zealand Kiwi boys come across to Australia Open on, on normal years. But where's what I'd love to see is more country represent, representation. So like, let's, mm, let's bring okay. in a trans-Hasman. Let's have a good old like a, like a Ryder Cup kind of kind of idea. Yeah, I, I like. I'd love to see a Europe versus US. Um, I'd love to see an Australia versus New Zealand. I'd love to be able to like um, back back my country. And um, I know they do a bit in Europe, but I think they like roll it into the European Championships, where countries get a set amount of players. And mm. congratulations, you're just kind of you're there to represent yourself, but also secondary you're like well and you're representing great britain or estonia but let's yeah let's um now the sport's getting more money let's start rolling out some good old-fashioned rivalries but i guess the issues for that is the travel the courses and how do you select the players is it the tour winnings is it a poll well that's that that's that's right hey and and you know i by the way, I, I love the idea. I think it. Sh- I think it would be. It would be good, and I think it would be very fun to watch um, New Zealand disc golf kick those dirty Aussies. Um, quite frankly, um, and the not just as an Englishman saying that, um, but uh, the. Uh, and let's put COVID aside and assume that we can all travel and and, and do things normally. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's an interesting one how you'd go around about picking the players. I mean, uh, we, uh, Bob Gentle on the show a few weeks ago talked about how um, New Zealand qualified for the World Games and they they got to pick players and they held a variety of tournaments. Maybe you'd run a qualification event or something similar um, to, uh, to, to, to do that. Um, yeah, I like the idea of a Ryder Cup kind of themed kind of thing you know where uh, where players take each other on in in a variety of different different ways match play and stroke play and and and, and game points for their 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 country um i quite like that idea and then maybe move it around the country a little bit in a kind of festival of disc golf over a fortnight or something um sounds like it would be a good one get some ashes one year australia one year uk we'll just make an excuse to go home and it would be it would be fantastic. I'm not really all that um, on top of the disc golf scene in the UK, so I couldn't tell you um, how how kind of mature it is in comparison to um, countries that I more know about. So uh, if anyone does know, then let me know. I, I, I need to do some research into that. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. That's uh, that's an interesting one. Um, and maybe maybe when COVID does look like it's disappearing, we'll uh, we'll see that. Certainly, want to make sure that um, you guys can come along. Uh, come across more often to uh, New Zealand tournaments, and uh, you know, as soon as I can make it over to uh, to um, Australia to play in some tournaments, then uh, then certainly would do. Absolutely, I'm gonna come across and steal a few purses. Mm. <laughs> very good, very good. Now, in, in talking about um, purses and getting um, getting uh, uh, the the very elite level and the top end of the game. We the New Zealand Disc Golf Tour could come to an end this weekend, um, and the number bods here at Sweet Chain Music have been um, looking up the um, the if buts and maybes to see what could happen. Okay, so um, but first of all, let's just go through some up and coming events, um, and then we're going to go for our picks for um, Twizel in a in, in a moment. So, um, upcoming events. Um, 
uh, is Moonbase twice or this this weekend. Um, if you're in the capital, you can come to Heiser at Harcourt Park. Um, then uh, the Wellington Midweek Spring League kicks off in November. Um, let me know if you want to play in that event. Um, it's every Wednesday at Harcourt Park um, for some uh, sanctioned disc golf. It's going to be great fun. Um, and then on the weekend of the 6th and the 7th, the Todonga Extreme has been cancelled. Um, not postponed, but cancelled. So it, it won't be making a return. And what that does is it means that this weekend there's perhaps... It's taken... It's taken an opportunity away from someone, and it's taken away more of an opportunity from someone else, which we'll get to shortly. A uh, week after that is Bros for Change, Charity Classic in Christchurch. A uh, weekend after that, Fault Line Fury in Wellington. Um, I think we might be fully booked for that, up to the 90 players, which is going to be fantastic. Really looking forward to that event. And then Wahitapu the weekend uh, after in November, and then finally the match play that... Um, uh, Roberts was uh, was alluding to earlier on. Um, there's been no change in the uh, rankings, in the Sweet Chain rankings since uh, last we spoke, um, but there will be a change after Twizel. So uh, Twizel is a, an eligible event, so uh, we'll have the changes um, that we get um, after that event and talking about Twizel. Um, so we uh, the sweet chain music stats team have been going through um the um new zealand tour uh, on tpad and basically it comes down to three players there are three players who can currently win uh, the new zealand tour um as far as we can work out um if there's anybody who does spot an error in my maths then please let me know but i'm I double check this and i think i'm fairly sure so the three players who are left in it jackson sullivan levi stout and justin workman um, and here's how it works, okay? For this weekend, if Levi finishes in the top two at Moonbase, Levi wins the New Zealand Tour, okay? Irrelevant of what Jackson does in at Faultline or at Wahitapu. Um, if Levi finishes outside the top six at Moonbase, then Jackson wins the New Zealand Tour. Um, Levi's not registered for any more events this, this year, um, Jackson's got Faultline and Wahitapu to go. If Levi finishes third to sixth at Moonbase, then we go to Faultline and or Wahitapu, and it then depends on the result that Jackson picks up there as to whether he takes it out. Um, but something to bear in mind that if Justin can get a spot at Faultline or Wahitapu and takes seventh place or better, then Justin will take out the tour. So there's a few if, buts, and maybes to come this weekend um, with a few uh, things up for uh, up for grabs. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Ben, who have you got as your picks for this weekend? All right, here we go. And drop a comment if, I, if I've got it right. I reckon I do. So I've got number one. I've got Mikey Yu. Um, I reckon he's going to go back to back. Number I, two. I mean He's got history in this event. He won the MPO division in 2019, so very solid pick. Yep. Yeah, I just knows how to perform in those big situations. I've got our friend Jasper Vandermeer at number two. I'm backing him. Yeah. Come on, look good, look confident. So. Yeah, totally, totally. And if you saw the coverage um, from Flexline Media, which came out during the week um, of the uh, Chartres Bay Charge, go over to their YouTube account and uh, check that out. Of course, you're already subscribed, so you know about that. But if you uh, if you if you aren't already, then go over because it's some some great coverage. 
So what else have you got? Uh, number three, uh, he's giving me a bit of abuse on the comments, so I'm tempted to knock him out. We've got Stephen Reed coming in. Ah, there. again, someone who's got history in this tournament, finished second in 2019 and has been playing well recently, won at Timaru. It's like I've, like I've gone back a few years and just worked out who's who can play this tournament. <laughs> well, number four, I've got Ashton. Can't read my own writing. Is that Clark? Ashton Clark? Yeah, Ashton Clark won the uh, won the um, fling last weekend and and uh, and finished second at the Rampage and third at the Charge. He's on form. And then number five, uh, I've got our good friend Andrew Fleming. Um, oh wow! Yes, yes, um, yes. He's in the Discord. He's feeling good. Um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see him do well. Yeah, oh, I would love that as well. That would be that would be that would be brilliant. That would be absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. No, good top five there. Um, I've gone with um no Levi in your top five actually, um, which is interesting. Um, so and of RPM. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've gone for in fifth place, uh, Stephen Reed. Um, I, I, again, we we spoke mm. just now. He's he's. he's performances recently have been very good and finished second at this tournament in uh, the MPO division um, uh, two years ago. I've got Ethan Stout. I reckon he's going to make a bounce back. Didn't finish uh, well at the fling, but I reckon he's got, he'll bounce back um, to finish in fourth. Mikey Yu, um, I've got in third place. Um, again, we've not really seen him recently um, near the top, but um, yeah, I've got him to finish third. Ashton, I've got to take out second place um off the off the back of being on a bit of a heater recently i think he's gonna do well i've got levi stout to take out the win and take out the tour this it's weekend cool. very best of luck levi um this weekend i'll uh, i'll be cheering you on from wellington all weekend um i hope you do well um the uh, over in fpo um so um for my top three in fpo um i've got Haley flintoft to win it um, she's playing in the MPO division this weekend. So if you're looking for her name, that's where you'll find her. Um, I've got Eilish to come in second place and Stephanie Stridham to come third. Mm. Um, ben, do you have any differences? Uh, no, you could probably, if you read my handwriting, I have exactly the same three things. You've got exactly the same as well. Yeah. Okay, well, we shall see. We shall see how, how they all get on. Um, this weekend, that's our picks. There's plenty on the line um, for the um, uh, the uh, Twizel Moonbase this weekend. Um, so we'll look forward to that. Um, very best of luck to everybody playing at Twizel this weekend. Particularly good luck to um, to Andrew Fleming, Team Sweet Chains. Andrew Fleming. I hope he does uh, does very well. And also to Levi Stout, who could close out the New Zealand tour um, and put that one to bed um so very best of luck ben thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much also for the last um couple of weeks um uh this is your last show with us uh for now um we'll speak to you again i'm sure um but it's been a pleasure having you on and having your um australian slash british point of view um and um yes uh and we've enjoyed um seeing you coming from your very small room uh thanks for having me matt it's been an absolute pleasure and Thanks to everybody on the in the comments for um, trying to make me slip up and keep a straight face. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a loft t-shirt; it's a clothing the gaps t-shirt. Um, Google them, free the flag, uh, and it's a it's a slanted room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks very much, everyone. See you later. See you next week. Take care.